Adventure Presentation. Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside he's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved. Eric Marchin. Matt, you're looking a little red in the background there. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I decided to do the red lights in honor of my boy Carnage. Uh, also, I apologize for this, whatever this angle is and how I'm going to be like kind of leaning over to my side if you're watching the YouTube version, which you all should go subscribe to over on Untitled underscore movies, Untitled Movie Podcast, Untitled Movie Reviews. You can find us on YouTube. Uh, if you want to see this terrible camera angle. So I apologize, everyone. I'm moving in a couple weeks and I'm selling things. Uh, I usually use my iPhone as my camera, but I got a new iPhone. So I'm trying to figure everything out. Uh, so I'm using my iPad right now as my camera. So I got a little bit of a weird angle, but I did go with the carnage red lights, Eric. I'm also drinking a Coke zero, which is in a red can and special treat a blood light for Cletus Cassidy, he eats a little venom blood and he becomes uh, carnage. So, and on top of that, you have blood in your body. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, today we are reviewing Andy Serkis's uh, Venom Let There Be Carnage, starring Tom Hardy, Michelle Williams, Naomi Harris, Reed Scott, Stephen Graham, Woody Harrelson, and more. It is now playing in cinemas because uh, Eric and I actually saw it at a public showing. We went with uh, you know, everyone else on a Thursday night at 5 p.m. at Landmark Cinemas in Whippy um, sat in those very comfortable seats and saw it on the large screen. Eric, how are you? I'm good, Matt. You know, you got some uh, lights. You look very well lit. Yes. So, uh, you know, you have some red lighting in the background to celebrate uh, your Lord and Savior titular carnage. carnage yeah. Uh, and I have some new lights that we're, we're testing out. Um, I'm still using my uh, laptop, which is about... Uh, 11 years old now um so i might in you know the near future an upgrade yeah yeah upgrade uh, the laptop but also maybe use my phone because on these um this is this is fun for people that are listening and wanting us to get to the oh, audio listeners yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um so i might use my phone because it also has um a tripod built into the ring light so i can put my phone on there and you sent me uh an app that uh that which you is what actually. i've been using yeah yeah no, I suggest anyone who wants to make uh, video content and, and you know, usually built-in webcams are terrible. So um, it's called uh, Epoch Cam uh, Pro. It's pretty dope. Uh, but we're not reviewing uh, webcam apps, Eric. Today we are reviewing Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage. Do we have um, to? <laughs> we, we do. We do. I guess we don't have to, but I mean, we, the funny thing is, I mean, you already mentioned that we watched this uh, at Landmark Cinemas in Whippy, which was a far cry from our previous experience of watching Venom uh, in New York uh, at the uh, Draft House in yeah. Brooklyn, wasn't it? Yep, we went to yeah. the uh, Brooklyn Alamo Draft House. Yeah, the only two movies I saw I've seen there are Spider-Man movies because I saw the first Venom and then I saw Into the Spider-Verse uh, with Nevis when I went as well so uh we did not travel to new york would we have if uh there wasn't a pandemic still to see this movie maybe maybe we would have taken that 12 hour bus remember how terrible that was we tell that story all the time every every few months it ends with great pop <laughs> is it more enjoyable than this movie we'll see uh eric what it what is venom let there be carnage 
All right, so essentially for the sequel, you have uh, both Eddie Brock and uh, the Venom symbiote, uh, both played and voiced by Tom Hardy, uh, trying to live together in their cheap apartment and figure out uh, what they're doing together, whether they're going to go on this course of becoming, you know, anti-heroes. Venom keeps on pitching the idea of being the lethal protector. Uh, where Very 80s, Eric. Yes, yes. Uh, where Eddie Brock is trying to get on a more straight and narrow path, try to get his uh, reporting uh, gig back. And the one kind of connection he has, if you saw the post credit scene in Venom, is that he interviewed uh, notorious serial killer uh, Cletus Cassidy, played by Woody Harrelson in a ridiculous wig uh, in the uh the last movie and in this movie as well, he has some choice hair uh, cuts it's and more of a haircut than a wig this time though. Right? Yes. But I mean, Woody Harrelson is a bald gentleman, so it is still, Oh, it's still a hair piece. Yeah. A hair piece. Yeah. Yes. Um, and you, you know, as we're reviewing this, I, I think that what it'll come down to Matt choices were made. Um, and as the story progresses, we see this kind of relationship, you know, quote unquote form between the two. Um, Cletus at one point, you know, says, uh, if you do something for me and put this headline in the paper, I'll give you my life story. And Venom is able to. Deduct- Sorry. No, Eric, it's I'll give you my life story. <laughs> right. Sorry. I'm, I'm missing the nuances and poetry of Venom. <laughs> Let there be carnage uh, in the plot synopsis. Anywho, uh, so with that, Venom is able to deduct that uh, he knows where the bodies are. Um, He kind of creates a rift between Eddie and Cletus uh, to the point where uh, Cletus is put back on uh, death row, which is reinstated by the governor. He is sentenced to death. In his last visit, uh, Eddie gets too close and too personal with Cletus, and Cletus bites him, tasting the Venom symbiote, which then unexplainably really they don't really kind of get into why uh the symbiote do they get into anything in this no movie? but this you think that this would be something that they would give some sort of exposition no, this movie to, to there's no exposition into the carnage it uh, just symbiote things happen i'm not calling it. him the symbiote i don't care you know i mean the, the the one thing i keep thinking of that would be a good joke is to see if like you know hall and symbiote what they would be like as a band um but essentially you're getting a condensed version of the first movie with the exception of Everybody and Tom Hardy this time around seem to be in on the joke or the tone of which this movie is trying to create, which is a super goofy, over-the-top, ultra-violent, even though it's PG-13 and should be R-rated adaptation. And it's a movie that is kind of trying to kind of basically crawl or slide or slither its way between the Frank Miller written RoboCop movies uh, two and three uh, and, and or um, a little bit of uh, Frank uh, Hennenlauter, uh, who is the director of the Basky Case movies and Brain Damage specifically, which is a very similar uh, premise. Um, I'm all for a goofy over the top genre movie, whether it be a superhero film or a horror movie. We talked on the regular <laughs> show recently about how much we liked James Wan's Malignant, which really does take the piss out of the genre. I'm all up for, you know, the same thing with the superhero genre i just don't think that this movie as a whole really is able to completely decide what it wants to be mm-hmm. and it's just this strange uncomfortable <laughs> mess of a 
blending of these two sort of bodies that just should not coalesce at all. And you're just sit, sitting there thinking, okay, at least it's not two hours. Yeah. And I think that's why ultimately I think a lot of people, us included, might go, okay, is this better than the first movie? Well, sure. it's shorter. Um, well, you know, Carnage and Venom, while being very similar, much like, um, uh, uh, God, not Shriek. I keep having Shriek. Uh, uh, Riot in the first movie was the villain's name, right? Yeah, played was by that, Riz Ahmed. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. The, the other beca- symbiote. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I I would say I like Riz Ahmed, even though he's kind of like a boring, evil, you know, Elon Musk or whatever. That um, I, I like. disagree. There, I think Riz Ahmed. As much as I love Riz Ahmed, I just like actor, Riz Ahmed. He's, yeah, he's wasted in that movie and so totally. But where I, I would at say least Woody, Woody Harrelson here. is memorable looking. I guess. And, and he kind of has like a steampunk yeah. kind of like punker, punk rock kind of guy. Um, but I mean, I, I, again, like we also watched Cop Shop and we kept, you know, saying to ourselves after uh, the film was done that, you know, Toby, Toby Huss, Huss is movie. having so much fun as a psychopath. Anthony Lamb spinoff justice yeah, for where we're like carnage is a big deal within the spider-man universe he is the character i just felt like he was so boring in this like oh he's he's underutilized and it it shouldn't be that because again carnage is that character who's introduced he's supposed to be unhinged where he just yeah the todd mcfarlane stuff right like he's supposed to be violent and nasty and sort of a serial killer and 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 woody harrelson just does this very kind of generic sociopath kind of thing so anyways what i was saying is like I, i guess the villain is a little bit of a step up and the action is a little bit of a step up because, you know, that last fight scene in Riot in that first movie is literally just black goo against black goo. And then you see like a Riz Ahmed head pop out or a Tom Hardy head pop out. And it's like just this mishmash of just like nonsense where at least with Carnage being red and Venom being black, you can kind of tell what's happening. Um other than that, yeah, I kind of agree with you that like the positives of the movie being like I like the dynamic between Eddie and Venom and they do double down on that. So like it's not necessarily that I like this portrayal of Venom or I like Tom Hardy's performance, but like I could get behind, you know, this uh, almost people keep calling it a rom-com this like uh, of, of these two you know this alien attached to this guy and them hanging out and arguing and you know their friendship together and you know wanting to be a hero or trying to keep this thing in check when it wants to eat people's brains like there's some interesting stuff there um, and I do like the back and forth and I at least agree that everyone doubles down and is actually feels like they're in the same movie this time around where in that first film I felt like Tom Hardy was in a completely different film than a lot of the people were, were making in that in in Venom one. And I feel like here he's convinced everyone, Hey, this is what the tone of this movie is going to be. Can you guys all at least try to match that? I don't think anyone necessarily does, uh, but at least it feels like cohesive in the sense of like, Oh, they were actually going for this, this time where the first one, it felt like, you know, Ruben Fleischer and, you know, Tom Hardy had a vision for what Venom was. And then they kind of just got this amalgamation of, of stuff. Um, I think Michelle Williams is totally wasted. I don't even know why she's in this movie. Like there's literally no point other than her being contractually obligated. Like she literally, it's not no offense to her, but adds nothing of value to the movie. Uh, Naomi Harris is giving a very batshit weird kind of performances shriek uh you're either going to be in on that or you're not uh and then i think it ultimately comes down to one how did you feel about that first movie 
I feel like you're probably going to feel pretty similar about this one. If you really liked the first movie, you'll probably like this one even more. If you really didn't like the first movie, you might go, okay, that wasn't as bad. Or you'll go, I still don't really like this. And that's kind of the boat that I'm in where my biggest problems are that the movie at 97 minutes with credits. So it's really like 80 85 minutes like with credits is like moves at such a breakneck speed which you can go okay at least it kind of you know just it just happens but then that's kind of my biggest problem is everything just happens like there's not that i need necessarily character development from carnage or you know things like that but then that's like why include michelle williams when you are just going this very straightforward falls to the wall carnage is here he's a serial killer he gets there he gets out he wants to marry uh his love of his life and then venom needs to stop him and like it's just all this shit just keeps happening and there's no explanation for anything there's no exposition there's no why did he become carnage there's no why is he doing this why does he need to do it this way where everything kind of just happens or even like eddie and and venom it's just like their separation feels like just a way to kind of have some sort of conflict in the movie and it just i don't know it, it just was shit on a screen for me and then like finished. And then there's a post credit sequence that will get people talking. And I feel like that's all people will really remember from this movie. And like, it's the same thing with the first one, because a lo- what a lot of people remember from the first one is the post credit scene with Woody Harrelson with the really bad wig as, you know, carnage, which was setting that up, which at that time, like it's interesting just looking at that because Ruben Flesher directed uh, the, the first one and he had already worked with Woody Harrelson on zombie land. So at that point it was probably just like, okay, we can get this name actor to come in and, you know, if the movie's successful, we'll hint at a possible sequel with him playing this kind of iconic character within the MCU and specifically in the Spider-Man universe as as a whole. Um, but then when you're watching this, you're thinking to yourself, you know, I, I, Andy Serkis as a filmmaker, with the exception of Mowgli, I haven't really seen much from him. So I can't really judge completely like what his style is. And I don't want to necessarily just say, you know, the studio hired him because of, you know, they're working with a lot of post-production effects and and possibly motion capture for um, Tom Hardy's performance as Venom. Um, but thinking to yourself, it's like, okay, well, you have Woody Harrelson and you have him paired up um, with Naomi Harris, who, you know, on all, Woody Harrelson is a three-time Academy Award nominee. Naomi Harris, uh, an Oscar nominee for Moonlight. Uh, Naomi Harris was also uh, in uh, No Time to Die, which we also talked about on this show. Uh, you can go and listen to that review. Uh, she's kind of underutilized as Money Penny in in that movie too, if, if that's one of my main criticisms for that character. But you look at those two characters and you think like, okay, there is maybe a little bit of self-aware sort of at least or meta to doing this because of natural born killers and having Woody Harrelson (laughs) and Juliette Lewis's characters in that movie, the Oliver Stone film. Um, But it never really utilizes it to the way that you think that it, it, it could sort of play on that stuff. And then at the beginning, when you see them as kids, when, you know, they're first introduced in this, um, you know, insane asylum, you have um, them played by younger actors with their voices (laughs) dubbed, which is weirdly more bond than the, the latest bond movie in some ways in terms of, you know, the old bond movies would dub, you know, international actors with English 
voices. But it, here, and obviously have, Midnight Sky, which we saw and we complained about that as well. Yeah, where, where it sounded like someone swallowed George Clooney, this younger actor. Now, uh, like when Woody Harrelson's voice comes out of that guy, I'm like, what is happening? And it's especially more jarring for someone like George Clooney or Woody Harrelson when you know what they look like when they're younger. You know, you've seen them, you know, in their early parts of their careers with, you know, when uh, George Clooney was in uh, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes or, you know, appeared on ER or even before that in like guest spots yeah. on Roseanne. And then with uh, Woody Harrelson, you know, with Cheers, like you've, you've seen what he looks like young and the guy who who's playing the younger version of him does not look like Woody Harrelson. At it's all. just his voice and his voice is just Woody Harrelson now. Um, right. They so it's make him it's sound bu- younger or anything. It's so bizarre. And then to your point with the, with the breakneck, you know, pace of it all. And, and you mentioned like, why is Michelle Williams in this movie? Well, the one reason I would say, you know, character wise or story wise is you have to have, you know, somebody that Eddie cares about that is, you know, a target of, Cletus. So that's why they're bringing, you know, her back specifically to yeah. be basically the damsel in distress. And the way that um in one sequence Shriek, you know, finds out who um Michelle Williams's character is in Eddie's apartment and then the very next scene is in Michelle Williams's apartment as she's leaving and abducts her. It's just so sloppy in terms mm-hmm. of how it's constructed narratively that you're looking at it, it's like did I miss a scene? Did I, I didn't go to the bathroom? Like I like and where, that's where what is I mean that by part like, of the it moves movie? so quickly where it just jumps from sequence to sequence and you're like how did we get here? Can I have a second to breathe to understand what people's motivations are? Like why which there are really Really no motivations other than Cletus is mad because he's getting sent to death row again by uh thing, but he wanted to be friends with him. And then you mentioned like, we don't even know why carnage gets created. So is it like, if anyone swallows the venom goo mixed with blood, like it becomes a separate symbiote and like, and in someone, but like it actually morphs from his body rather than just being something that's like on top of him. And um like, it's just, I, not that I necessarily need a ton of explanation, like it doesn't really matter, but I can't just be sitting there not understanding what the hell is happening and just, oh, he's a bad guy. That's essentially kind of what you need to know. Yeah, he's a generic serial killer. And it's the same thing with like Shriek where like I'm wondering the whole time why, you know, her vendetta is towards Stephen Graham's kind of, you know, police Police officer officer, where i think the real villain for her should have been um this you know psychiatrist who's you know very sadistic and the way that they handle that is very unceremonious and it just kind of seems again like also dubbed (laughs) yeah it's just it's very weird and then like there are some really good like also i I should mention as well, Naomi Harris and Andy Serkis worked together on the uh, the Ian uh, Dury uh, biopic. Um, but you have some really good people, not only in front of the camera, but you Robert have someone Richardson. like Robert Richardson, who you know has shot movies for Martin Scorsese. I laughed and when his, Tarantino. When his, <laughs> and speaking of natural born uh, killers, he was the cinematographer on that. Yeah, it, when his name popped up because I forgot. So when the credits came on, I'm like, oh my god, what? I'm like, I totally forgot that he shot this movie because there's nothing particularly nice looking in this movie well i mean with with robert richardson his kind of big sort of signature in movies is that he'll usually have a light 
uh, natural light or or maybe light that's kind of harnessed that is kind of um, hitting something and it's making it look a lot brighter or harder. So like you'll usually see something like like um, a light kind of hitting like maybe a book or something like that, and then the reflection of it coming you back bounce light. In, in, yeah. Yes, Does, and that's kind that of his signature. This? Is that I, in this? I not that really I could notice. really recall because it's all very kind of muted looking and sort of just kind of it, at times it almost looks like there's something wrong with the projection but it's just the movie but again yeah. that natural born killer thing where it's like that you natural born killers is not a great movie in my opinion but it is gonzo in terms of its filmmaking and if you read or watch any of the behind the scenes features of that film it is incredibly yeah yeah, yeah. Like you can tell, like that's where Oliver Stone and and Robert Richardson had their falling out. And there's a scene where they always talk about like Robert Richardson nearly lost his eye because there's a scene where Tommy Lee Jones's warden character has to push open this this uh, door, this cell door, and Oliver Stone told him to push it right into the camera without Robert Richardson knowing, and it, and, and, it, and it just almost just popped his eye right out. And at that point, Richardson was like. I think I think our relationship is done. Maybe that's this. what Shriek's story was based on. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, but we're don't, um, we, but we don't want to make anybody that that no, has no, lost no, no, an no. eye or has you know any of any disability. But, but but this movie doesn't care about that either. Like no, just, it doesn't. And uh, you know, it's just used as a plot device, and you never get a backstory from her either. Not necessarily saying that. Uh, we needed that, but I didn't think that this universe was established that there were other superpowered people in it. Like, um, that's not really set up in the first movie. Like, it seemed like it was just, you know, these aliens and this was a like a wild thing that was happening. Um, so you don't even get anything there either. Uh, there's a weird rave sequence. So Venom splits off from Eddie. And then I felt like none of that was even explained where I'm like, I thought they established in the first one that the symbiotes can attach to anyone and they'll be fine. So in this one, like he's struggling to find a host that is suitable where in the first one, I'm like, didn't they attach to like a dog and a young girl and like a, so but I'm I think like, he's I probably like using them for, for longer periods of time. Like he's almost drained, like in he this? is killing them. Yeah. Where he's like draining the person of their bad. Or I only take it as a couple. Quote. It's like, a night isn't it or like one night like but who knows because like... the way that this movie is edited it could be a night it could be a week it could be you know i guess eddie hour. does have time to like clean up his apartment and like yeah. get his shit together and stuff like that but that could only be like a day or two but like i don't know man like that little girl in the first one that gets one of the symbiotes on her like travels across an obscene amount of time i think to like but they do I, I feel in, like... i'm not trying to stick up for the film but they do in the first one have those test subjects where like a lot of people are compatible fair. with no them. that's a good so, point yeah so maybe it's just yeah maybe it's just because eddie like eddie's personality matches venom perfectly i'm assuming that's more, what it is that's exactly and i get that it's just those are like the little things where i don't need to be spoon-fed but um i feel like not that I wanted more uh, as in a longer runtime, but I feel like I, the the pacing just felt completely off to me. And like you said, it just feels like almost incoherent at times of like what the time jumps are, where it cuts to, how sequences are put together. Um, and yeah, I think the action maybe is like slightly better than the first movie, like the carnage breakout sequence and like a couple different moments are kind of like you know, they're violent and brutal, like you mentioned, but I almost feel like it should have had this uh, an R rating in both films of just to kind of maybe differentiate it from like 
the other Spider-Man stuff. But um, I don't know, man. Like, I just feel like you'll pretty much know how you're going to feel about this movie going into it. Like, uh, you'll either like it or you won't. And I don't think there will be really much of a. Sort and I think of... you kind of know that based on the first film. Honestly. Yeah, and and I think I mean you mentioned this as well, and and I think it's worth sort of bringing up. Um, this movie kind of feels like it belongs in the mid to late nineties and early two thousands where it's like, yeah. it's like first one felt like that too, though. Yeah. Like it's in that kind of category of like um, movies like the mask and the shadow and spawn and steel. And then when you get into the early two thousands, like there are some good ones. I, I like, I, I keep mentioning, you know, the Wesley Snipes blade movie where they're their own thing. Um, and kind of are playing with like there, this is a movie that would weirdly work if you live in Canada and specifically in Ontario would play on like Teletoon or something like that at like, you know, 10, 10 o'clock at night on a Saturday or something like that. It would be like one of those weird movies. Like it almost does feel like the MTV version of one of these superhero movies that would come out in, you know, the late nineties, early two thousands, or, you know, just again, would be taking a property and kind of thinking like, oh, maybe we can make this thing work and it's more sort of geared towards the executives where here Tom Hardy does seem to have a little bit more control. He has a story credit um, with with writer uh, Kelly Marcel. Um, so you can you can definitely tell that he is he does like the character. He is passionate about it. And oh, yeah, is... he definitely cares the most, which is why I think they doubled down on what he did in the first movie. <laughs> yeah, and there is this weird kind of performance artist kind of quality going on with the scenes in you know his crappy apartment where it does feel like okay maybe this is the stuff that was most interesting to him and sort of challenging himself and acting basically opposite either a tennis ball or nothing and just having those kind of conversations and i guess if i i am being you know giving it some credit i, I don't think the cgi is necessarily bad like it does look i like how venom looks I'm gonna, yeah like yeah. it does have this kind of texture that doesn't necessarily look like it's gonna date in this like in a couple of years like it does look like what you would expect the symbiote to look like especially yeah, when I, he's not in the full form i like i agree most when he's like hanging on like a little head that kind of yeah. pops around and um yeah like i like the back and forth uh between eddie and and venom i just think when you add in a lot of the plotting and the you have to kind of fill in a superhero movie and have that kind of generic third act cg fest and things like that where like there is potential here and i think even in that the first movie i remember rewatching it and going like you know what i i don't mind some of this like i don't mind the venom's voice i don't mind the back and forth between venom and eddie i i almost don't even mind tom hardy's batshit kind of like take on eddie brock it's just when you kind of try to make a full movie out of that it just hasn't worked for me in both of these and i do like the look of venom too i will agree that like the cg and carnage looks fine as well but um uh, i do miss the big white spider on the front which i i know doesn't really make sense because i think he gets that from you know spider-man's costume when the black black suit spider-man kind of he puts the white spider on the suit and yeah because kind of venom because even it, in the but... 90s cartoon he had those square blocks on his to shoot his to... arms yeah which wasn't webbing but he was shooting the symbiote or did he yeah. shoot wedding a, a I... webbing I <laughs> he shot a wedding but, yeah <laughs> he's a photographer on <laughs> yeah. the side venom that's how he makes his money 
Um, but yeah, again, like I really kind of like the maybe the the more warped odd couple kind of thing. But if you're looking for that kind of movie, watch Brain Damage, where it's literally this guy and an alien parasite that attaches to the back of it its neck and feeds him like these kind of drug and uh, uh, addictive uh, alien juices that's gross and weird and and of the early 80s new york um this just kind of to me feels like you need it's almost like you need a genre filmmaker to come in and, and yeah and really i totally with agree this. with that you're trying to play with horror comedy a little bit and um i fe- i just feel like andy circus was a weird choice like it, it just it does seem like the guy just wanted a new pool or something but like i just it does feel like a gun for hire kind of thing. Um, and I, again, I'm not super familiar with what his, you know, why you bring him in other than it's a lot of CG, but, uh, I agree with you that some sort of genre filmmaker could have maybe, um, like a Lee one L right. Like with upgrade or something like that, which is already kind of a better version of venom. Um, yeah. And I don't want to just keep saying like James Gunn, but James Gunn, like that kind of, like somebody who has, like that a kind of background, movie background yeah. and knows sort of to have fun with kind of the splatter elements of it all, because I feel like they could, and they need to, they need to make this movie R rated. They need to, they need to make Venom an R rated franchise the way that they did Deadpool. And it's funny just mentioning that. Cause I have a question for you is what character do you find more obnoxious Deadpool or Venom? Um, I enjoy the Deadpool movies more, but think Deadpool is more annoying, if that makes sense. I get what you're um, saying. Where I, I don't like the Deadpool movies, but I still find Venom, weirdly, a little bit more tolerable. Um, even though I don't like the Venom movies either. I find that, like, again, I think that there is potential if it's the right filmmaker that maybe can really kind of match what Hardy's bringing and a story that, you know, we, we talk about you know, when it comes to writing that, you know, exposition and voiceovers and things like that are, are, can be extraneous, but sometimes they do work. And I think in something like this, you need a little bit more to really kind of flesh things out, you know, and, and feast upon the brains of, uh, you know, this character a little bit. And, and I just kind of felt like it was, it, it really was just a slapdash, production overall and you're just sitting there watching it the whole time thinking like okay i'm waiting for this post this mid credit sequence to kind of blow me away because that's what everybody's talking about and with that it's like okay well that they're they are being very smart sony with the marketing of that because like the first one that's what everybody is going to remember about this movie they're not going to remember carnage they're not going to remember any of the details that went on about this they're just going to remember okay what this is potentially suggesting moving forward and that's enough to hook people and get people interested because it is associated with marvel yeah no i agree um i do want to talk about the post-credit sequence and i think maybe let's do that in a conversation quickly like a very short one after this i'm down i'm down because um, i think it 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 adds a question to sony in general and marvel's relationship Let's uh, we're going to talk about the post credit sequence in an untitled movie conversation, which we will post on YouTube as well as the conversations uh, podcast channel on podcast services everywhere. Uh, But we'll wrap up this uh, review. I think it's, you know, if you like the first movie, you're probably going to enjoy this. If you didn't like the first movie, you're probably not going to enjoy this. I don't think it's going to change your mind. Uh, It did not change my mind. 
Uh, do I think it's a better movie? Probably, but then I almost disliked it more because it just doubled down on it and was frustrating. So like, I'm going to give the movie a two out of five, uh, which I think is lower than what I gave the first movie. But I think it's because I'm like, well, it didn't change my mind. And I do think that the pacing was way off the, you know, the 97 minutes just doesn't work because everything just feels, you know, unearned and too quick. So uh, two out of five for me. I'm also going to give it a two out of five, even though I, I do think that this is better than the first one, which I gave one uh, out of five oh, for, wow. for, okay, for, yeah. for, for the first Venom. I really did not care for the movie. Um, this is just as I think I gave point, the first one a two and a half. So, I mean, they're right. the same. Yeah, this I, I'm giving a two just again because it is shorter, but that doesn't necessarily make for uh, a merciful experience watching uh, this movie. But I think the two comes mostly from just, I, I like the look of Venom. Yeah. I like, the, I like the idea. I'm, I'm, I'm all about, again, I love the character. Goofy... It was one of my favorite characters. in as a kid. Cause we grew up in the, we grew up in the nineties in the late nineties specifically. And that's when Venom was a big deal. Right. That's when, like when Todd McFarlane introduced him and when, when McFarlane was writing, you know, Spider-Man, like the thing that everybody remembers with with Todd McFarlane, you know, writing for Spider-Man specifically is when he stabs Juggernaut in the eye with a sword. Right. And that was like, oh, cool. You know, Marvel's now extreme and dark. And Venom was like the antithesis of all he was of just cool looking, too. And like yeah. and Spider-Man was my favorite superhero. So it was like dark Spider-Man. It was so dope. So like just and to he see, had big teeth and like, a tongue. I, and I just it's hard to pull off these like villain antihero. I know Venom can be an antihero, but he started off as a Spider-Man villain. So it's still like a he started bummer. off as Tozer, Topher Grace. Like Topher, it's a bummer <laughs> for me to have the character used right away as this way like i like the flash thompson venom that is more of an anti-hero and i know the eddie brock venom is an anti-hero at times too but like um i think starting off as a spider-man villain because like anyways it's just it's disappointing a two out of five two out of five so um we'll see what happens with venom three i'm sure we're getting it at did 11 million dollars on thursday night so um we'll see if this makes more money than shang chi i'll be really sad I don't think it will. It did on Thursday. Like it beat Shang-Chi's numbers, but then it black widow still had better numbers on Thursday, but the drop off on black widow was more than Shang-Chi because Shang-Chi was only theatrical. So we'll have to see, but it's a weird time. Uh, you know, if you listen to this, you probably either already watched the movie and already know how you feel. So, um, at least we got it over with. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, I do. I am excited to talk about this post credit sequence. Uh, and I think conversations is the right uh, spot for a little mini spoiler cast kind of thing. So uh, check for that on YouTube. Check for it on podcast services. Uh, we also have another show entitled Movie Podcast that you guys can check out on both of those places as well. Uh, tons of other reviews. All of our TIFF coverage is up on the reviews channel. Uh, and a one-stop shop for everything, just head over to uh, Letterboxd and go to Untitled underscore Movies. You'll find links to everything over there. So uh, thank you all for listening or watching. I apologize for my weird camera angle, and I'm probably in the one-third of the screen the whole time. But uh, as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the internet uh, and around uh, – oh, God. And follow me on all the social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. You were also gone kind of funny recently. As well. I was. I did. Um, thank you, Eric. I popped up on kind of funny to do screencast star Wars visions episodes four through six had a really great conversation with those guys about those episodes. I will be back for the final three episodes soon. We're just trying to get schedules aligned for that.
It's all about coordination. And I'm Eric Marchin. You can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. Venom, venom, venom. Venom, 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 venom.